What's up, Rock Church? Come on, put your hands together if you're excited to be in the house of God today. Good to see everybody and welcome. My name is Travis. I'm the campus pastor of our Point Loma location. Want to welcome all of our other campuses as well, our online campus, Microsites, uh, San Marcos, East County, City Heights with a little dip on it, and our South Campus, San Isidro. What's up, everyone? Let's put our hands together, Rock Church. Welcome each other. Welcome your family. Say hello. Uh, we have an exciting day today. Um, uh, it's Super Sunday, by the way. Who's excited for the big game? Yeah. Hey, who's rooting for the red team, by the way? Red team? Anybody? Mm-hmm. I just, just checking, just checking. A few of you are like, me. Yep, they're all, everybody's red in this one. Uh, but we're kicking off something real cool today. A, a new series entitled Forgiven. Everybody say Forgiven. Forgiven. And next week, our, our pastor, who I was chatting with in the back, is so excited to bring a word because uh, often with forgiveness comes his less attractive brother, unforgiveness. And, and that's a real, real, real story because a lot of us have been hurt by something and, and, and it's taken root as unforgiveness. And then it bursts pain physically and emotionally, or it bursts fear or anxiety. And our pastor wants to bring a word next week that would help set some people free in Jesus' name. Can I get a good amen from somebody? Amen. But today we are kicking off the series with something that, that's one of my favorite Sundays of, of, of all uh, throughout the year, our four by seven sermon. Four, communi- four communicators, four preachers, four, four speakers get seven minutes each back to back to back on the topic of forgiveness. And this is part of our pastor's discipleship. He is raising up communicators. It's part of his legacy. He's discipling me, he's discipling our pastors, and he's got a preaching class of 80 people from age 11 on up. And so this is part of that experience. They're going to be given seven minutes. And on the screen behind me and in front of you will be a seven-minute clock. So you can keep up with them. And man, I hope they land the plane because they got 30 seconds to make this thing work. So you're going to check that out behind me. But before I pray, I just want to encourage you, if they bless you or they give God praise, would you give him praise and shout hallelujah? If they encourage your soul, if they give you a nug and go, man, I've been wait- that's why I came today for that one specific verse or that story or, or that point. Just give God praise. Shout his name. Put your hands together. Can I get amen? Are we with that? Does that sound good? Very good. Uh, would you bow your heads and let's pray. I'm going to bring out Pastor Esley. Lord Jesus, we say thank you that you're faithful and you love us. Thank you that our pastor is one who is all about discipleship, that we would all be on a journey to grow closer and closer to you and he would share his gift and his platform. Lord Jesus, bless the speakers today, all four of them in every single minute of this time. We bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Rock Church, you put your hands together all the way from our microsites, Pastor Esley. Hi, family. Hi, how are you? Like Pastor Travis said, my name is Esley and I oversee the microsites. For those that do not know what the microsites are, these are little campuses. They are all over San Diego. We have some in TJ. We soon will have some outside San Diego. But these little um, campuses are run by volunteers. We set up a projector, screen, chairs, a canopy, and we have church outside in the community. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? I've been doing microsites for seven years, peeps, seven years. In March, I will be turning seven years. And I've been doing this for a while now, and so I meet so many people out in the community. I meet so many people with great stories, some not so great stories. And today I want to tell you one story that until this day, it kind of ministers to my heart every time. There was this time, one time in microsite, this guy came to the the microsite, and he came, and you can tell that by the way that he was 
by the way he looked, that he wasn't having the greatest time of his life. You can tell that he wasn't where he probably wanted to be. He wasn't where probably the Lord didn't want him to be. He came without a shoe. And so when he saw the chairs, he, he decided to just skip the chairs and he went, back, went straight to the floor. And the team immediately looked at him like, what? And they, they got a chair and they're like, here, here, here's a chair for you. And he's like, no, no, no. And this happened for a couple weeks until I went there for the third, fourth week. I can't remember. And I saw it with my eyes. He was on the floor. The sun wasn't hitting on his face. And, and you can tell that in his face, he had sadness. He had shame. He had guilt. And so when I sat next to him, I asked him, are you sure you don't want a chair? Are you sure you want to be here? Are you, you, please, let's go inside of the canopy. It will be better. He's like, no. And then he tells me, he goes, no, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I do. I'm a terrible person, he said, and I don't deserve a chair. So today, I want to tell you um, that if you relate with him, because sometimes I do, sometimes I relate with him in the sense that I have a hard time forgetting what I did, even though I know that God already forgave me for it, forgave me for it. And sometimes I, the, the, the thoughts of the old past sins and mistakes just come and haunt me and bring shame and guilt into my heart. And, and they stop me from doing what the Lord is calling me to do. So today I'm going to tell you three steps into forgiving yourself so that you can go full force of what the Lord wants for you. The three steps are let's repent of our sin, let's rename ourselves, and let's remember the cross. Point number one, let's repent of our sin. Everybody say repent. You know, repent says, according to Google, (laughs) you know, because that's a valuable source. (laughs) Feel or express regret or remorse about the sin, meaning that you feel like you're not going to do it because you repent. Oh, you know, I don't like it. I don't want to do this again. Well, this guy, when he told me that you have no idea what I do, That told me that he wasn't really done with it, that he wasn't feeling any remorse or even regret. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my my face, will turn from their wicked ways. You know what his wicked ways were? He was deep into drugs. He was deep, deep, deep. And he was still so that he can get money. So he can buy more drugs. I just, I just want to tell you right now that if you probably are in the same boat as him, and maybe it's not drugs, maybe something else, I just want to encourage you that just give those sins to the Lord. He's waiting for them. He's, he's waiting for you to say, here, Lord, give, here, I can't do this anymore. I can't. Because you know what? He loves you. He loves you so, so much. He's not mad at you. People, we, you were never, you were never meant to be sitting on the floor. You were meant to sit on a throne. Amen? Amen? So repent of your sin. Step number two, let's rename ourselves. This guy, everybody say rename. There you go. This guy would consider himself as a terrible person. And I don't know you, but sometimes if I let my head go, Sometimes I say, Esli, you are not good enough. You, weigh, you make way too many mistakes. Sometimes I say, tú estás loca. 
And this guy kept saying, telling himself that he was a terrible person. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs in, to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Amen, people. So I urge you, I urge you to stop telling yourself a bunch of lies. You need to change what you tell yourself. You need to stop agreeing with Satan when, you, when it comes to the words that you tell yourself. People, you can do this. You are enough. You are good enough. And step number three is remember the cross. Everybody say remember. You guys want to know what happened to the guy? Do you guys want to know what happened to the guy? So one Sunday, he sat on a chair, you all. He sat on a chair. And it was amazing. Those are the kind of stuff that we celebrate at microsites. Yes. And guess what? Then the chair kept moving towards the canopy. Yes. He accepted the Lord. He remembered the cross. He believed in the cross. So I wanted, yes. So I just want you to remember that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. You don't have to keep bringing up mistakes. He already paid for. Done. You're done. Stop it. So in order for you to forgive yourself, let's repent of our sin. Let's rename ourselves. And let's remember the cross. Thank you, church. Can we give God praise for Pastor Esley and welcome our college young adult pastor, Pastor Vince Freeman. Come on. Good morning, good morning, family. As Pastor Travis said, my name is Vince Freeman. I'm the young adults pastor here for all of our campuses. And what a crazy story God has brought me on. See, five years ago, my wife and I were actually watching this church service online on our couch in North Carolina. And now I'm incredibly blessed not only to be a part of this staff, but to share this message with you today. So I'm so blessed to be here with you today. Not long ago, I heard a story about a climber who attempted to scale the highest peak in South America by himself. And as nightfall approached, instead of stopping his climb, he continued on into the utter darkness. Eventually, he slipped and fell for what seemed like an eternity. And immediately, something stopped. His safety rope had caught him, but it left him dangling on the side of the mountain. And in a moment of desperation, he cried out, God, if you are real, please save me. And he heard a voice whisper back, cut the rope. The climber could reach his knife, but as he looked below him, he saw nothing but utter darkness. Afraid of the unknown, he decided he could not trust the voice, and so he did nothing. He just hung there. The next morning, a pair of climbers found him dangling on the side of the mountain, but his body was frozen to death, and he was only five feet off the ground. You see, I think unforgiveness can be a lot like this. We experience something traumatic, and then we decide to hold on as long as we can, not realizing it's the one thing keeping us from true freedom. One of my favorite characters in all of the Bible is a man named Joseph. Everyone say Joseph. If anybody had the right to hold on to a grudge outside of Jesus, it would be this guy. So today I want to share with you three steps that he teaches us through his life on how to receive freedom through forgiveness Step number one, 
listen for God's voice. All the climber had to do was to tune his ear to the voice. He already asked the question. He did the hard work, but he chose not to listen to God's voice. A little context about Joseph. If you don't know his story, he's the youngest of 11 brothers, had a hard life. He's 17 years old. The Bible says he was handsome, but it also tells us he's kind of annoying. (laughs) So much so that his older brothers say, we got to kill this guy. I can't take it anymore. But right before they do, the oldest says, you know what? Let's sell him. We can make a little money off this guy. They sell him into slavery. Joseph's life takes a crazy turn. He gets a great job. Then he gets fired from that job. He gets thrown into jail. But all along the way, the Bible says that God was with him. God was speaking to him. And Joseph learned to listen for God's voice. He learned to tune his ear to his maker. When you experience something traumatic, whose voice are you willing to listen to? Are you going to step out in faith and say, God, I I believe I can hear your voice, that you're calling me to forgive? Or will you be consumed with rage, anger, and bitterness trying to drown out God's voice? Step number two is you got to learn to let go. All our climber had to do was to be obedient. He heard the voice of God. He had the right tools in his hand. And if he would have let go, he would have still been alive. But he chose to hang on. Joseph actually gets promoted throughout his life all the way up to second in command in Egypt. And because he had listened to God's voice, he saved up all of this food. And when a massive famine hit, Egypt was the only place that had food on all the earth. So now Joseph's older brothers who sold him into slavery have to come back and beg him for food. Except it's been 22 years and they think he's dead. Now, if you're petty like me, I am hyped. You sold me into slavery. I almost got beat up. I could have died. And now your lives are in my hand. It's a wrap. I'm dragging this out for as long as I can. I'm super ready. I got a PhD in holding grudges, right? I cannot wait for this moment. I think that's what a lot of us do. But what did Joseph do? The Bible says, Genesis 45, verses 4 and 5. They go back and forth. Several days and months go by. And eventually, in dramatic fashion, he breaks down and he's weeping and he says, I am your brother. Now, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me here. Not you. God sent me here to save people's lives. Joseph had 22 years to think of a perfect revenge plan. What will you do in the waiting? How long will it take for you to hear God's voice and put a plan into action? What will it cost you? We know that he was able to let go by his response. What will you choose to do? Lastly, step number three, you've got to leave the outcome to God. The climber hung there in the balance for hours. He chose not to listen to God's voice. He chose not to cut the rope, and he left matters in his own hands, and he paid the ultimate price. Joseph actually is able to save his entire family. He moves them all to Egypt, He's reunited with his dad and his baby brother. And then something interesting happens. His dad dies, and the brothers go into a panic, and they think, oh, my gosh, maybe this is a hoax. Maybe Joseph really hasn't truly forgiven us. Now that our dad is dead, maybe he's going to kill us. But the Bible shows his response. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, don't be afraid. I'm, I'm not in the place of God. I leave the outcome in his hands. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive. 
Joseph was able to say, hey, I let go. I've left the outcome to my Savior, my King. He will handle it. He'll put people in their place. I leave the judgment and the outcome to him. So my question is today, what will you do? Who will you choose to be like? Will you be the climber dangling in the freezing cold, waiting for something to change, not taking matters into your hands? Or will you be like Joseph, whose example points us ahead to Jesus? He listened for God's voice. He learned to let go, and he left the outcome to God. Family, the choice is yours. God bless you. Amen. Give God praise for Pastor Vince. Hey, online campus, Rock Church, all the way from the internet, our online pastor, Mike Humphrey. How are we all doing today? Good morning, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. Hey, my name is Mike, and I am the online campus pastor here, and I am so blessed to be with you all today. I'm going to be speaking uh, to you a little bit about forgiveness today as well, but I want to introduce you to my family, right? My three kids, we're going to put them up on the screen, Elijah, Avery, and Jack. I mean, come on, look at that. Look at those little faces. Look at those faces. I'm also, I'm also married, uh, coming up on 11 years in just a few days. Really blessed, right? I know, crazy. But I want to rewind about seven years ago, before, um, before my youngest was born, I was helping launch the youth group in East County. Right? I was out there, well, what's up, East County? Launching the youth group out there, and, and we're doing a youth night, and you know, worship's happening, I'm about to get up in a few minutes to preach, and I see a guy in the corner of the room, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I just judge the guy right off the bat. I'm going to be transparent with you, right? He had tattoos all over, all up his neck, and he, and he had a bandana on his head. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's not 16 years old, and he probably shouldn't be here, right? So I'm like, I got to go talk to this guy. So, you know, I'm like, Kind of did a couple push-ups, flexing a little bit. I'm like, I gotta get my voice a little bit deep. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? What are you do? What are you doing here, youth group? You know, and and come to find out, he was like the nicest guy in the world, right? He was he was there because he has a kid in the youth group, and he's checking out the youth group to make sure that it's like biblical and that we have a good fellowship, a good group. He's a really nice guy. Come to get to know him over some time, and his, his name's David, and um, he actually has MS, right? And MS is one of those uh, diseases that affects your uh, your nervous system. It affects your spinal cord, and so he's constantly in pain. He describes it as his, his, his body feels like, his skin feels like it's on fire sometimes, right? And, and yet he was there at 6 in the morning every Sunday helping me set up, helping me set up tents outside. It's freezing cold out there. He ended up just becoming one of my closest friends, really became a brother to me. He'd sacrifice. He loved my family so much. Um, but the truth is, I wasn't always the best friend to David, Right? I mean, I would let busyness get in the way. I would make a lot of excuses. There's times he'd text me and I wouldn't text him back. Um, but yet I would come back to him and ask for forgiveness. And he always forgave me over and over again. He was just that type of guy. He was a loving guy who always forgave me over and over again. Uh, so my sermon title today is A Family That Forgives. And I want to talk about how we can become a family that's defined by forgiveness. Literally the people around you, we can be a family that's defined by forgiveness. And we're going to illustrate that in three points. Number one is we need to identify each other as family. That's the first thing we need to do. Second thing, we need to identify our own dysfunction. And number three, we need to forgive a thousand times, all right? So let's go to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians 4, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul's just begging, be unified, please. Be one, be together. 
And the first thing we need to do in order to accomplish that is we need to identify each other as family. Right? That's point number one. The person sitting to the left of you, the person sitting to the right of you, that's your family. These are your brothers and sisters. Even if you didn't come with them, these are your brothers and sisters. Right? It's good to have your biological family. And the Lord wants restoration and breakthrough in those areas as well. But I'll tell you this. Jesus defined family a little bit differently. There was a time where Jesus was preaching the gospel. And someone comes up and says, Jesus, your mother, your brothers, they're, they're waiting to see you. They need to see you right now. And it's like, this is Mary, like the virgin mother, right? She's here to see you. And Jesus responds in Matthew 12 and says, Who's my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Right? The person sitting next to you is your brother. The person sitting next to you is your mother, right? David and I realized right off the bat that we were brothers. That we were brothers. We were going to have that bond and that was going to be more important than anything else, right? Number two, identify your own dysfunction. Now, obviously, I, I, I was transparent with you all. I judged David right off the bat. I wasn't the best friend to David. It, it would have been easy for me to point out the flaws that David had. But how much more important is it for us to point out our own? Doesn't Jesus say point out, pull a plank out of your own eye before you pull the splinter out of your neighbor's eye? Right? The thing is, the person sitting next to you is your family. But the truth, truth is, you're part of a dysfunctional family. Can I get an amen? Right? But how much more dysfunctional is the person sitting in your seat? Right? Right? You get what I did there? Right? We all have our issues. We all have our mistakes. We all have our problems. The best thing we can do is identify our own first. Amen? Last thing we're going to talk about here is to forgive a thousand times. Forgive a thousand times. Man, David, David and I have this brotherhood because we were able to forgive each other. How long does a relationship last if you're not going to forgive that person? It just ends. It severs, right? Peter comes and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Right? You're like, man, 490. I got to write that in my journal and I got to tally off how many. No, that's not what he's saying, right? He's saying forgive over and over again. If I have any, if I have any uh, math nerds in the room, if you guys have the slide, uh, you could put it up. But basically, people plus forgiveness times infinity equals family. Some of you, are, you know what PEMDAS is, right? You know what's up. You got to do the brackets first. Forgiveness times infinity. You have to forgive over and over again because the moment you say I'm going to put a limit on forgiveness is the moment that you're saying there's only so much dysfunction that I'm willing to take. And the truth is we all have issues. Every single one of us is real messed up. And we are blessed that Jesus said I'm going to forgive you. And I'm not going to forgive you once. I'm going to forgive you over and over and over again. What if Jesus said I'm going to forgive you a hundred times? We'd never make it. What if he said a thousand times? We would still never make it a million times. Jesus has to forgive us over and over and over again. And what he's urging us to do, what Paul's begging us to do, is be a family. Be united. You have to understand that the person next to you is dysfunctional. But we're just as messed up. So if you want to be forgiven and you want to have relationships and you want to have family in your life, true family that's going to outlast these, these little minuscule relationships that we hang on to. We have to be willing to forgive over and over and over again. Amen? So hey, let's identify each other as family. Let's identify our own dysfunction. And let's forgive again and again and again. Amen. Good job, Mikey. Hey, all the way from San Marcos, would you help me welcome Pastor Mario Compian? 
Good morning, Rock Church. It is an honor to be here with you today. My name is Mario Campion, and I get the pleasure of serving at our San Marcos campus. It was just a few months ago that my wife and I were getting ready to take off for the day. On this particular day, I had asked my wife, would you be cool if I dressed the girls? Because ultimately, I was just trying to get out of the house on time. She said, yeah, that's great. Go ahead and dress them. And I asked, is there anything particular you would like them to wear? She said, nope, it's all good. I said, beautiful. My girls are seven and four. I said, ladies, go pick out your own outfits. It seemed like a good idea at the moment. So we finish up. My wife comes downstairs, and she looks at the girls and says, are you serious? Couldn't you have at least made sure that their outfits matched? Uh, yeah, I could have, but you said you didn't care what they wore. And she says, it's not a big deal. I'll take care of it. And she takes the girls back to the room to get dressed. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty offended, right? Without even realizing it, I have all of a sudden allowed my mind to believe the lie that my wife was attacking me. And as a result, I'm sitting here stewing in offense, not allowing myself to get past the moment because I'm letting myself believe the lies. So this morning, I want to talk to you about overcoming what I call the spirit of offense. When I say the spirit of offense, I'm talking about the place, the source of all the negativity, all the bad attitudes that are associated with being offended. Does that make sense? Beautiful. So let's look at three things that the Bible says about forgiveness that will help us overcome that spirit of offense. Forgiving others the way you want to be forgiven. Remembering to ask for forgiveness. And forgiveness is a journey, not a destination. Forgiving others the way you want to be forgiven. Let me start by saying forgiving others is not easy. I don't want to diminish the difficulty and the pain in forgiving others. But the truth of the matter is that true forgiveness comes from the heart. In that moment being offended by my wife, I did not have the capacity to truly forgive her because I was allowing the spirit of offense to dictate my moves. But if I'm not willing to forgive my wife, especially for something like that, can I expect to be forgiven? Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you give other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive the sins of others, your Father will not forgive your sins. What do you think? Jesus sounds pretty serious about forgiveness. Would you agree? The beauty is that Jesus gives us the key to receiving God's forgiveness, and that's to forgive others. Forgiving others is also the key to closing the door on the spirit of offense in your life. Point number two is to remember to ask for forgiveness. We all know how difficult it is to forgive others, especially when the others are not seeking forgiveness from us. It is incredibly powerful to ask for the forgiveness of others, even when you may not believe that you committed an offense. At least once a day, I find myself apologizing to my girls. In my house, it usually sounds something like, Daddy, I really didn't like the way you told me to stop jumping on the couch. <sighs> Dios mío, my love. The first time Daddy tells you to stop jumping on the couch, it's going to be super sweet. The fourth time Dad has to tell you, it's going to be in that voice that you don't really like. But I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry that it hurt your feelings. Will you forgive me? And praise the Lord that every single day, those girls forgive me. And why am I going to ask for forgiveness every single day? 
Because I'm not allowed, I'm not about to let the spirit of offense introduce my girls into bitterness, anger, and rage. I have way too much love for my daughters to allow that to take place. Let's quickly take a look at Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. To paraphrase what's on the screen, the Apostle Paul is telling us to get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all anger, get rid of all rage, and allow forgiveness, kindness, and compassion to come into our hearts. You have the incredible power to help others get rid of bitterness and anger by simply asking for forgiveness. Our third point is that forgiveness is a journey not a destination. How many of you in here would agree that we don't have to worry about tomorrow's offenses because today has enough offenses of its own? Matthew 18, 21 and 22. We just read it with Pastor Mike. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now let's pause. If you offend me seven times and I continue to forgive you seven times, I'm calling myself a pretty gracious dude. As a matter of fact, I'm patting myself on the back because I'm doing an excellent job forgiving you. Let's take a look and see what Jesus says about it. Jesus answers, I'll tell you not seven, but 77 times. Some of your translations say 70 times seven. Fantastic, 490 times. What is Jesus actually telling Peter in that moment? He's reminding Peter that this is going to be a daily challenge. So family, I'm telling you, this is going to be a daily challenge. You see, every single day, you're going to be challenged to respond to the spirit of offense. As a matter of fact, when you get out of here today, you're going to be challenged to respond in a variety of circumstances. So I urge you, church... Choose to forgive. The quality and the health of our relationships is dependent on our ability to continually forgive. Forgive the way you want to be forgiven. Remember to ask for forgiveness. And forgiveness is a journey, not a destination. God bless you, Rock Church. Hey, Rock Church, can we lift our voices, put your hands together, and thank our pastors for the word today on forgiveness. Pastor Esley, Pastor Vince, Pastor Mike, and Pastor Mario. So here's what we know, here's what we learned. We learned from Pastor Esley that often forgiveness is for ourselves. We say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me, but I gotta come to a place where I can accept that for myself. And Pastor Vince reminded us that, that forgiveness has a power to set us free. There's freeing power in forgiveness. And Pastor Mike reminded us that forgiveness keeps the family together, that often uh, we're just as dysfunctional as the person next to us. In fact, the more he was talking, the more dysfunctional I started to feel. (laughs) Man, this is a real talk right now. Forgiveness keeps us together. And lastly, Pastor Mario reminded us that the spirit of offense has no chance where forgiveness reigns. All of those are incredible truths today, and we can give God praise for all of those. Give him praise. The Rock Church, our online campus, microsites, wherever you are joining us right now across the world. We don't want to assume that just because you wrote some notes down and you heard it here that you were changed and transformed here. And we want to give you a chance right now to step into forgiveness, to receive it for yourself, to pick it up, 
to allow it to change you on the inside so you can freely give it to others. And maybe there's somebody here today that just needs to lay that down because that's forgiveness or unforgiveness or just a couple of the things that you have in your mind. You're thinking, man, I got to come back to God and just change my whole life. Or maybe as we dealt with that, that spirit, there is something, one specific thing. There's a hurt, there's a pain that is in the way of your freedom that's found in Jesus. And today is the, the day right now where you're going to lay that thing down at the foot of the cross. You're going to say, Lord, come fill my life. Change me forever. And it's simple. as A, B, C. Admit, believe, and confess Jesus. But it wasn't easy because over 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross, stretched his arms out, hands pierced, feet pierced, crown of thorns pressed on his head, the whole world turned on him, carried the weight of the world, the sins of the world. And he looked up to heaven and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. And he was speaking about those around him and us, and often we don't know what we're doing, but today we can receive forgiveness, and it's from him. And so it's simple but not easy. It's simple as ABC. And if you need to pray a prayer for whatever reason, to accept that, to receive it, to lay something down today before you go, to be changed forever by the grace of God, you can just A, admit that you have fallen short and you're in need of a Savior. You can B, believe in your heart. God's word is true. And Jesus did what his word says he did. He went to the cross and died for us. And C, you just confess him as Lord of your life. Confess him as Lord over all. And if you need to pray that prayer right now, wherever you are, online campus, microsites, wherever you're joining us right here in Point Loma, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. Service isn't over. No one moving. This is between you and God. I want to lead you in a prayer to change your life. If you need to pray this prayer in the quiet of your heart, repeat after me. Say, dear God, I admit that I have fallen short of your love and your glory. I admit that I need a Savior today. I believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I believe you conquered death through the resurrection. I confess you now as Lord of my life. I confess you now as Lord over all. Now as everybody's heads are still bowed, everyone's eyes are still closed, no one looking around, no one moving. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you in boldness, in great faith, to stand to your feet. And by standing, you are saying today, Jesus has taken over my life. I'm a new creation in Jesus' name and the enemy has no power or authority over you ever again. You're going to take it. It takes faith. It takes courage. It takes great strength. And we're with you in this moment. So on the count of three, we want you to stand. One, get ready. Two, three. Stand to your feet right now all across our campuses, right here in this room. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.